Hey, Link Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and there's nothing worse than that awkward moment when you run into the partner of the doctor whose neck you snapped when your Klingon sleeper agent programming was activated. <laughs> My bad. I'm joined on the show, as usual, by Ella Pearson. She's the co-host of the Generations Geek podcast on the Chronic Rift Network, which is at chronicrift.com. Welcome back, Ella. Hi, thank you. Uh, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> I basically wanted to cry during that entire episode, but... <laughs> yes, it was particularly uh, effective. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to cry throughout the entire football game that I watched tonight, but... <laughs> the wrong show for that and uh hopefully like that game uh this show will have a happy ending i I was gonna say um this is just off topic for a second but i just watched uh star trek six again recently the undiscovered country uh, mostly because i was doing another show for enterprising individuals about the character of spock and we wanted to talk about the development of the character of spock you know from the beginning uh, all the way till the last kind of classic appearance of the character in Star Trek VI, and not move that aside, one thing that I really like about Star Trek VI and also Star Trek II, you know, the two Nicholas Meyer movies, is that he really focuses on um, the reaction of um, the crew, just nameless people, you know, Yeoman that guy, or Ensign that guy, and there are a lot of shots of the crew going about their, like, daily work uh, and duties as all this, you know, world-destroying uh, sort of torpedoes flying kind of action is going on. There's people that, who are kind of sweating in the depths of the ship. And that's mm-hmm. something that I've seen – we've seen a little bit on Discovery, and I always like it when we get that on um, these spaceship shows because they make it feel more real. And we got that a little bit this week um, as uh, Admiral uh, Cornwell is giving her big speech and you get to see people working on Discovery. And I like being reminded that there is a life there beyond, you know, the three or four sort of main characters that we're following. Yeah, those um, shots when her, like, team moved in with the phasers yeah. <laughs> was really good of everyone just, like, holding their hands up. Like... Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, oops, we've been boarded. Uh, but it's the good guys, uh, luckily. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's really tense uh, in this episode. Uh, it is the 14th episode of Star Trek Discovery, entitled The War Without, The War Within. And as always, we're here to break it down for you. We're setting a course for the spoiler zone, of course, so be warned. We're glad you decided to join us. But if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers are incoming. Uh, the synopsis for the episode this week is, Back on the USS Discovery, Burnham and the crew are faced with the harsh reality of the war during their absence. In order to move forward, Starfleet must use unconventional tactics and sources to take their next action against the Klingons. The episode was written by Lisa Randolph. It was directed by David Solomon. And a little recap from last week, uh, last week on Star Trek Discovery. What happened? Wow, what didn't happen last week on Star Trek Discovery? There was a, <laughs> quite a bit going on. And I think uh, as a response to that, this is a little more uh, introspective of an episode. Uh, I, I wrote down on my notes, talky episode, <laughs> which, uh, which it is, which I don't think is unjustified. But it is definitely a huge slowdown in pace from the breakneck speed of last week. I loved it. I give me every slow episode, all the slow episodes. (laughs) Uh, You like, yeah, I mean, we have these big things that happen, but then we want to break down and check out, you know, what's happening with um, how the crew feels about it. Well, and there were a lot of moments in this episode that we've, like, been waiting for, like Saru Mm -hmm. seeing Mm -hmm. Giorgio or Saru realizing that there were Kelpians in the Mirror Universe or, like, Stamets and Tyler, like, (laughs) 
I, yeah, I was waiting to see those fortune cookies finally get theirs, and they certainly <laughs> did. Uh, this is uh, also just totally uh, off the cuff. What is the penalty for treason in uh, their world? Uh, because immediately when they bring Giorgio on, they're like, all right, look, nobody can know about this, mostly because we're setting up a thing for the end of the episode. But uh, you, random transporter operator, you can't tell anybody about this. And it's treason if you do. So do you just like go to prison like Mark- Michael Burnham did for a long time? or I would think, yeah, right? I mean, what else is the Federation going to do to you? Off to the dilithium mine with you. Yeah, yeah you're going to go to the mines. <laughs> <laughs> it's, speaking of Star Trek VI, it's, it sounds a lot like that. <laughs> Um, so as this episode opens, uh, looks like discovery is back in the regular universe. Of course, we are nine months ahead of where we wanted to be. And as such, uh, things are going bad for the war effort. And I wanted to call out the unsung heroes. Nobody's talked about these guys, but I want to give props to the paint robots who now, after having spent all that time (laughs) changing USS to ISS, they got to go right back out there and change it back to USS, but they get the job done. They're loyal. Yeah, they, they're they extremely loyal. Uh, they're probably like the uh, animals on the Flintstones, you know, that's a living. There's a big question here that sort of hangs over the entire episode uh, that we can delve into, which is something that was on my mind as I was watching it, which is what, you know, what do we do? Like, I kind of wish, that, you know, this is the penultimate episode, and there's um, one more episode left. That's what penultimate means. And I'm just... Wondering, like, we've got a situation where it's clear, and we'll just jump to the end here. Like we said, there's spoilers. Okay, great. That's what I was waiting for. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We need to talk about that. We've put Giorgio uh, in charge, nominally. And so it looks like we are committed to this fighting fire with fire kind of thing. And we've set up since the beginning of the show, since, you know, the Vulcan Hello, uh, which was the um, very first episode, that... We have an excuse to act non-Starfleet-y, you know, or un, mm-hmm. un, you know, not to use uh, Marquess of Queensbury rules here. Like, we always talk about our ideals, but if the only thing these people understand is a bloody nose, then we got to give them a bloody nose. And I, I don't know how that sits with me. Like, maybe it's the right action for the right time, but I feel like, th- you know, the Vulcan Hello, and then also this episode where Cornwall basically goes to Laurel and she kind of confirms that it's kind of like giving our characters a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's like kind of giving them an excuse mm-hmm. to do that, which, again, like I said, I mean, maybe sometimes you have to do that, but it seems not the kind of thing that you would really want to do in Starfleet. And we also have a bunch of scenes, or at least one particular scene in this episode, where Tilly basically says, we got to love each other. And, you know, loving and Sarek talks about loving your enemy. And so I'm getting a bit of, like, ideological whiplash here between the yeah two well and earlier in the season there were so many times when stamets would stand up to Lorca and be like i am not a soldier like i came right. here to do research that's what starfleet is yeah and so now we're handing it over to you know the ultimate soldier in uh the former emperor now captain Giorgio. Mm-hmm. so there can even even to the last episode of this show there is this continual war for the soul of the show kind of if you will um which isn't an accident it's clearly something they set up but when you take on a property with um long long-term fans that feel very strongly about it and feel a certain way you're playing it pretty close <laughs> to the vest in that uh, i don't think they're trying to be antagonistic but they're saying we're going to take the you know the what makes star trek star trek and we're going to put that on trial and 
you know, I've um, I've complimented the bravery of the production before, but you know, everything's brave as long as you stick the landing. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like <laughs> what a terrible mistake. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be a mistake, but I'm I'm interested to see how they're going to land it in uh, one more episode. Um. Well. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like. I feel conflicted, obviously, like, part of the reason I love Star Trek so much and so many other people love Star Trek so much is because, like, I don't know, it deals with ethics and, like, morals, and Disco has been, like, so different from every other series, but if I was them, like, if I was Admiral Cornwall and the Klingons had, like, taken, like, the Klingons had won the war and were just, like, rampaging, like, I... If I had Mirror Universe Giorgio, like, that's who I would put at the front. Like, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Do you, I mean, what do you think? I, I don't know. It's weird that maybe the Admiral's trying to kind of cover her um, ass from a policy perspective in this kind of charade of having Giorgio be, you know, our Giorgio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Discovery knows what's up. Uh, like Sarek says, they've been through a terrible, terrible ordeal. They've been through so much. They're certainly not going to be happy about the fact that Giorgio has, you know, a decision-making position at this point. But I don't see if it's just if she's just going to be on the Discovery. I don't understand um, why they need to go through all this theater about having her be the old Giorgio. Because only like three people on the ship know that she's the Emperor, right? Like the crew doesn't know. Right, but the entire crew knew that they were in another universe, and they all had to wear the Judge Dredd uniforms and stuff like that. So I mean, they... yeah, but they seemed they seemed thoroughly convinced <laughs> <laughs> that their Jojo was back. I mean, maybe part of it is that like they want to believe she's back. Like everyone loved her so much. Yeah, um, and also just the fact that you know we just got rid of a mirror universe captain, and now we're gonna throw another one right back in. <laughs> um. I like I honestly don't know how I feel about it. I'm excited to see Michelle Yeoh. I'm excited for this kind of like I'm excited for her to like sneak around a little bit. I think that's going to be exciting. <laughs> but um yeah, I don't know. I was really mostly I was just really looking forward to Saru being the real captain. Like yeah. I think he deserves <laughs> that so much. Yeah, a little bit of that, but yeah. But, like, is he the captain to launch a vicious attack from inside of Kronos? I don't know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, uh, we should definitely talk about that. Do you think that this ends, that show ends the way it began with Burnham and Giorgio, like, alone, you know, on a desert plane, but instead of trying to be saved, they're they're fighting each other this time? Is it going oh to? Oh my if gosh! You'll, if you'll excuse the the uh, the turn of phrase, will it mirror you know the pilot episode? <laughs> and then her blood spills no out idea. and makes a, a, a Starfleet insignia. No, I don't know. Um, can we fix? Is the point? Is what we're going for here to fix the Klingon Empire? If we don't want to hurt our enemies, we want to heal them. We've they they made a big point about the fact that. The Klingons are running wild, and they're not even accomplishing what Takuvma wanted. Takuvma probably likes the fact that their their blood is up and that they're sort of taking, you know, doing it for themselves. But there's no unity, as it's made very clear. And that's kind of the appeal when Cornwall goes to Laurel about how this isn't really what you wanted. So are we doing that thing where we're trying to, you know, fix our enemies and not defeat them? Is there some way that they, we can help the Klingon Empire achieve unity which will be beneficial for both of us i mean yeah i think it's more about like knocking them 
back into their place than, like, killing every Klingon. Right. Right, like... I don't know. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out why the Klingons have, like, quote, won the war, unquote. But, I mean, I don't... Giorgio is, like, pretty unpredictable, I think. So, if she decides, like, every Klingon needs to die for, like, me to stay in power or for the organization that I'm working for to stay in power, like, I think that she'll do that. Yeah. Um... But I would I would like to see Admiral Cornwall get it together a little bit <laughs> and make it more about just being like, why are you attacking civilians? Why are you like, you know, because I mean, I think that Klingons are I don't know. I think that Klingons are good people at heart. Let's get cheesy about a fictional race. Sure. <laughs> um, they're honorable, right? Like, think about Worf. And like they're they're a little violent, sure, sure. Like they're a little violent, but <laughs> the, uh, so they've gotten a little out of control. But I think if somebody puts them back in their place, like I'll be like, oh, okay, like all right, maybe there's like a few Klingons that need to die who are really for just attacking, like what, like convoys carrying food or something. But <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. I've I have not been able to anticipate anything that happens on Disco yet. I don't think I will be able to ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's one thing that I know for certain, and that th- there's no way that Prime Lorca is dead. Because on the show, they're like, "Oh, it's so horrible." So now we know that our Lorca's dead. It's like, no, he's not. You would not have <laughs> you would not have reminded us that there's the possibility that he was dead if if he actually was, you know, I don't, I don't know if Jason Isaacs is like signed up for a second season, but they're definitely going to leave that open to possibly bring him back. Yeah. I feel like they're, they're keeping that in their pockets. Oh, for certain. You have to. Yeah. Like that's too big of a reveal to just not use. So yeah, I think we're going to see Jason Isaacs again for sure. I have to say that as far as their commitment or questioning of certain morals that Starfleet has always held, they're definitely held holding up the uh, representation side. I barely notice the d- diversity anymore on the show, uh, and that's a really good thing. Like, there was a scene in this episode where there are um, three women and a guy all talking about something, and two of the women are not white, and these are all the main characters of the show, and they are driving forward everything that's going on. And it was one of those moments where I was into the scene, and then I was like, oh, Wait, wait a minute. This is this is amazing. You don't ever you don't see this in a lot of TV, especially not in a lot of genre TV. And so I got to give, um, you know, social social justice thumbs up to that. Yes, um, I'm still pretty bitter about uh, Colbert. <laughs> <laughs> OK, right. Sure. Um, I mean, just like, you know, it's been a couple episodes. Why did he have to die? You know, like. I don't think that Stamets had, like, a huge revelation because of it. I don't think his character was pushed because of it. Right. You know? So, I don't know. I'm conflicted. (laughs) But I um, agree with you that, like, I don't know, like, having Sonequa, like, right up there is amazing. And, obviously, they have, like, the bridge crew is, like, super diverse. And you have, like, Michelle Yeoh, like, at the head of everything as well. But, um I was really excited to have, like, some queers in space. <laughs> oh, sure. And as far as the Culber thing goes, I think they just wanted to really, you know, this is a harsh show sometimes. And I think yeah. they wanted to pull the trigger on that. They could have easily had um, Viler be like, this guy's going to figure out who I am and grab a, 
space scalpel, you know, and just go to town on Colbert. So, you know, oh, Colbert's in a coma. Like, he's he's very badly wounded. And everything's the same. Uh, he's He could still see him in the mycelial thing or whatever. Um, later on, they meet, and it's like, you're the guy that almost killed my, my partner, you jerk. Uh, and yet the character still exists, like, on the show. I mean, they, they could have totally done that, but I think their instinct was... I kind of like that, actually, because then there's the added suspense of, like, when he wakes up, then he'll tell everyone who it was. Mm, okay. Right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's... They could have done that. <laughs> they they, they could have done that. <laughs> because I think you're right. I mean, it does... I won't say it adds up to nothing, but it definitely adds up to not a lot and there's a couple kind of aborted elements uh, now that we can kind of look back on the entire season yeah um cornwall being captured in the first place never Mm -hmm. really goes anywhere i mean she Mm -hmm. gets captured and then she just shows up on the sarcophagus ship and they get her off and no problem oh she can't walk oh she can walk again it's fine (laughs) and she didn't even get cool like robo legs or something like that we know they've got cybernetics in this i wish we know they have uh cool wheelchairs <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah we're not doing the one beep for yes two beeps for no anymore that's not we're doing that um there, there, speaking of continuity there are a couple nods to continuity in this they talk about um well they mentioned the yorktown which i believe was uh in cisco's time was the ship that he was um xo on uh as far as there being i don't think there was ever a uh, original series yorktown mentioned but i think we can just assume uh they mentioned captain archer uh first obliquely and then just explicitly talk about captain archer yeah i was shook that was weird to hear yeah did you what did it like were you surprised or did it sound like normal it's well i mean it sounded explicit like it sounded like they you know this is a fan service bit but you know i just feel like it's in keeping with what they've done although it's tantalizing still because it's still not if they say like at this point, to convince me and everybody else that this is absolutely in our universe, now we know it's not the mirror universe, but some prime A or B or something, they'd mm-hmm. have to say, remember the time that Captain Kirk had that dog with the unicorn horn or something? Like they would have to <laughs> explicitly refer. Remember the time that that lady killed her dad when they were doing Macbeth? Like, they'd have to explicitly <laughs> refer to something in the original series. Because even now, they talk about uh, Enterprise. So we know Enterprise is in their world, but Enterprise could have been in... Uh, Kelvin timeline as well. They talk mm-hmm. about Starbase One, which, as far as I know, I don't think Starbase One ever was in the original shows. It was just, you know, a Starbase One was introduced in uh, 2009 and in Into Darkness. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you could posit that there would be a Starbase One in our universe, but at the same time, it's like it's these tantalizing sort of. Uh, okay, that's close. <laughs> that's close, but it's not theory confirmed. Still, and after we've confirmed so many theories for this show, we've gotten so close. I mean, I'm curious to see where they go with the the timeline thing. Like I said before, I mean, the only thing that I can anticipate is that the Discovery needed to be there to win the war. And something, you know, they yeah. busted up the timeline. But um, I would also be interested to see if it's like... Uh, you know, like an offshoot of our universe. I don't think it'll ever be the Kelvin verse. <laughs> well, it's yeah, that's true. It seems like that's that's true at this point. And if they've got an entire moon full of spores now, um, and they are essentially a time machine, then there is you know, there's no saying that they couldn't jump back. But yeah, just jump back and fix it. Remains wow. tantalizingly un- unanswered still. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for somebody who's looking. Anybody who isn't looking is totally happy, but that's not me. Uh, <laughs> so they terraform a moon in this. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope there was, I'm sure there was nobody else already living there. Um, <laughs> no big deal. Um, I thought it was kind of out of left field. It was cool. I always like to see new applications of Trek technology, but you've already, and I can't remember the name, but you've already established that there is like this lush forest world somewhere, you know, uh, where the crystal towers were. Yeah. Like, why couldn't they fly back there and ask the energy beings like, hey, can you guys help us out? Do you have like an island where you can like grow these things and then and just use the elements in the in the world that you already have? I mean, why go back? Um, I can't remember that planet's name. It started with a P. Pavo? Pavo. Pavo. Um, why go back to Pavo if you could just create your whole, like, spore moon and then just have that be, like, your interdimensional gas station? Yeah, I suppose. Plus, <laughs> if you did it on Pavo, Pavo would be like, sure. And then they'd be like, tell the entire universe, hey, everybody, they're growing spores here. <laughs> you guys do that every time. Try to keep a secret for once. Jeez. So in one episode, I still don't know how they're going to do this, but we're going to jump to to uh, Kronos, uh, okay. jump inside of Kronos, mm-hmm. um, map it with our sensors, and dot 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 profit. Like I don't know <laughs> at this point. Like I mean, to be honest, without attaching any um, attitude to this statement, hiding inside of a planet seems like something that would happen in a J.J. Abrams movie. <laughs> Or on Voyager. Seems like a JJ move. <laughs> right, yeah. Couldn't Voyager could go underwater, couldn't it? So they were you know, they went in the ocean sometimes. But it is a <laughs> it like I said, I don't I don't mind it so much because it's another interesting application. We've created this yeah. technology, let's see what it can do. I'm a little I mean I'm a little confused why there's like just like big holes inside of Kronos, but like it's I'm all... fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm not bothered. It's all the volcanoes. Yeah, apparently. That makes sense. Um, Let's talk mommy and daddy are fighting. We get a uh, big scene between Sarek and the former emperor um, where they're doing doing some deals. Uh, We don't know exactly what's going on here, but Sarek understands practicality and he understands logic. It seems like Giorgio makes a case, um, half of which I think we get at the end of the episode. But I kind of wonder what Sarek is off to do. That was so surreal, honestly. I think I gasped the most times in this episode than any other episode. Like, to see him and, like, Giorgio talking about Burnham on screen, I was shook. I mean, every episode I say that I'm shook, but (laughs) I was shook again. (laughs) Double shook. Exactly. And I have no idea what they could be planning, like, for or, like, around Michael together, because what would Sarek need from her, you know? Right. Um, the sort of like writer in me starts out looking for the loose ends. Um, and I think about like the Vulcan logic extremists, but I don't know how they could really help out. I don't think that's (laughs) that's another one of those, like, Oh, it's a sort of world building element, but I'm not sure that's going to come back at all. But Hey, you never know. There is a glowing spore on, uh, Tilly's shoulder. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) <laughs> it's all gonna happen next week <laughs> yeah it's all gonna happen um Vulc- uh, uh Sarek and uh, burnham uh get to have a tete-a-tete for the first time in a long time that was surprisingly touching 
Um, yeah, he was like honest with her. He seemed yeah. like so much more open than before. Yeah, this is the Sarek that I think, well, at least I know and love, but I think that we know yeah. a little better than usual. Mm-hmm. A guy who, even at this point, you know, he's younger, um, has kind of, you know, he's he's not, you know, half human. Uh, he, so he, he he's more emotionless than like Spock is, but he's he's seems to manage well his emotions uh, and his logic, and he cares clearly about Burnham and he isn't really afraid to show it in his own way. He even gives her the Vulcan hug, which is hand on your shoulder. <laughs> touch shoulder. <laughs> touch touch shoulder. Uh, you know I you know I love you. And he also Can says Can we talk about okay, I might be yeah. crazy, but he says he says a line. He says like your mother was human. Yeah. Well he means Amanda, right? That's my question. <laughs> yeah. Because Later on in the episode, Burnham calls him her father for, like, the first time, oh, right? Oh, I see. I see what you mean. But, like, I don't know. It's just the tone of it. I'm very suspicious about, like, every single little thing on Discovery now <laughs> after everything that's happened. I heard the crinkle so The way he said it to me, I think, like, okay, like, he said her mother was human, but... Is he talking about Amanda or is he talking about her biological mother? And then if he was talking about her biological mother, why did he say it like that instead of saying your parents were human? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Or You, you see the tinfoil hat logic? I, I hear it, yeah. Or okay. uh, or her uh, surrogate mother in Giorgio. Exactly. Yeah, as far as keeping things in your pocket, I think uh, Burnham's parents are, are solidly yeah. in that pocket for a future season of the show. But um, if he did mean Amanda... Then that is really touching because then Sarek is just saying like she's your mother and that's yeah, nice because yeah. that's like We're, one step closer to saying like you, you are my daughter yeah, yeah exactly right, yeah right We're your parents like you never call yeah <laughs> <laughs> then um, they transmit once in a while yeah right <laughs> we got a hologram come on um, <laughs> and he says uh, you know don't re- you know he's she's beating herself up about the Tyler thing and, and he tells her you know that she shouldn't regret having loved somebody, which is really touching. And he turns Plastic around. Eric. Yeah. He's like, okay, now I got to go do something really bad. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he always says something really like touching about love. And then he's like, all right, now I got to go. That I was enough, scheme that was enough for like, like 60 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, the Tyler and Burnham uh, situation, which is Oof. fraught, fraught in this episode. Uh, she finally confronts him at the end of the episode uh, and it doesn't go the way that you would expect something like this to go. It is not a happy reunion. Uh, there is there's there's history there, and there are uh, deep seated um, anxieties still about what's going on. And it doesn't doesn't really end all that well. I would not trust him. Would you trust him? If I was a TV show character, maybe. <laughs> um, just I, I speaking of things that I've watched. I was watching um, the Schizoid Man. Uh, an episode where um, the guy, actually the guy from Star Trek Six, the one-eyed Klingon guy, he plays a scientist that takes over Data's body and then he's running around inside of Data. And Data's mm-hmm. like knocking people out left and right. And he's like <laughs> macking on like helpless ladies. And then <laughs> they fix it. And then, you know, 20 seconds. Are you okay, Data? I'm fine. Ha ha ha. And then we're off. And it's like, how do they ever trust this guy ever again? I mean, he had a beard at the beginning of the episode. He looked totally crazy. <laughs> but I mean, if I was on a TV show, oftentimes they just heal that up real fast because we got to move on. And I kind of respect the fact that this is going to continue. It's it's not okay. 
Yeah, well, and they've, I mean, earlier, like, before we realized that he was, like, Vok, they played with his PTSD, like, so much. Right. Not played. I mean, you know, like, had, like, honest plot lines and had him, like, talking about it. And so to have her be like, like, I don't, obviously, I don't trust you because you in this body, like, tried to murder me. (laughs) Yeah. And she, yeah, they have an unhealthy relationship. (laughs) Just stop right. Full stop. Now continue. Yes, yes. Because Tyler, right... have, from the beginning, has leaned on her way too heavily. Yeah, right. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Codependency. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah. because, and then she's like kind of coming after him because she's like, you were experiencing, you know, this PTSD, these problems. And you said that if you felt like it was, it was too much, you'd come to me and you didn't come to me. So she's kind of like castigating him for like not, <laughs> not, you know, being weak and coming to her. And then he flips it around and he's like, it's just about you and your in- your lack of intimacy or your uh, fear of intimacy because you opened yourself to up, to, up to somebody and you got hurt and then you're running away. I'm like, whoa, you're going to play that card? You're the one that like tried to choke her out. Yeah, it was like really intense. It was like not fair at all. I'm well, and I'm just I remember when they had their first like honest talk and he like said, I don't remember what he said. He said something about like. Oh, gosh, I wish I could remember. He said something creepy about, not very creepy, but just, like, that I could tell that he was relying on her too much. Like, he said something strange, like, relating to his PTSD and being like, oh, like, like you cured me. Like, I need you to live. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. <laughs> it's My a lot. medicine. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which, if this was, you know, if Ryan Gosling said that to Rachel McAdams, fine. But this is, uh, yeah. This is, a but when show. you have, when you're like, you're the you cured my PTSD. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's all right. Let's back up. See, this is why you have a counselor on board. For real, like, where's Troy? <laughs> she could have had this wrapped up in five minutes, no problem. <laughs> True. So yeah, uh, boy, th- you know, going forward, we've got our work cut out for us. I don't know if you watched the teaser for next time, but it looks uh, like I a busy. Yeah, it looks like a busy episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are shades of um, the first, uh, the pilot of Enterprise when they, or a couple different episodes in Enterprise where they go to like the alien market, and there's like weird aliens walking around, and they're wearing like the cool undercover clothes. <laughs> And so, uh, once more, I'm worried that uh, now that we're getting picked up, you know, there's going to be a second season, this thing might end on a big cliffhanger. What do you think? Oh, it's definitely going to end on a big cliffhanger. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking forward, uh, let's look at our threat ganglia. Do you think anybody oh, is my. going to um, cash out and go to the big holodeck in the sky in the last episode? I'm very concerned that they're going to kill somebody in the last episode, and I have no idea who it could possibly be. <laughs> maybe Tyler. Maybe Tyler sacrifices himself. Yeah. I could see that happening and it being kind of sad. But at the same time, it's like I feel like they have stuff to play out with him and his, like, redemption. Um, oh, gosh. I don't know. Random crewmate number three who has <laughs> one line every four episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, um, I, I'm, I never guess, so I'm going to guess this week. Um, I <gasps> think if we're going to, you know, lock horns with the Klingons, then some, mm-hmm. somebody's got to go and mm-hmm. maybe we'll lose, um, Captain Robot, 
Uh, yeah. You know, or like one of the speaking extras. Um, yeah. Do you think? Nur- do you think Cornwall? <sighs> she seems not really. She doesn't seem as stable as a Starfleet admiral should be in well, combat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've got a um, skeeving, conniving genius, uh, former empress from the Mirror <laughs> Universe, who's in our universe, and three people know that she's not who she says she is. Mm-hmm. Who, who's on the hit list? <laughs> For real? All those people. So All the people who aren't her, like, surrogate daughter? Yeah. So um, f- cross off that guy who ran the transporter. He's gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Saru and Barnum are probably safe, but yeah, I think Cornwall. Might Do you be think? In I think that she would attack Saru. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like she was not. <laughs> that was immediate. <laughs> she was not happy. She's not happy about that at all. Uh, those are pretty good guesses. Um, so we'll have to see if we're right or not. But yeah, I'm starting to feel pretty strong about how I don't think we're going to get a big resolution, or we'll resolve something and then it'll be like, what that thing. See you next season. <laughs> Something like that. Um, can we talk about Tilly in this episode? Sure. Um, I just her character development over like all of these episodes, like at the beginning of the season, she was so like scared and like sort of shy. Um, but it's like even in that first episode when she was first introduced, like Burnham listened to her. You know what I mean? It's like she was introduced as somebody as this like scared little cadet. And then every episode since then has been building like on her strengths. Right. And I was just great. Like I love Tilly. I was so crazy, like happy when she went and sat with Tyler, even though I have my own conflicted feelings about him. Like, I don't know, (laughs) but wow. And then the stuff she said to Burnham about like, we can't turn him into a supervillain. <laughs> like we can't be his origin story. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You got to pull with this like, guy. Go talk to him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like she's on top of it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's been a really great journey and it's been a really great, um, depiction, uh, by, or, um, Mary Wiseman's done a really good job of playing the character too. Mm-hmm. You don't get this. If she doesn't get a promotion in this last episode, I don't know. Oh my gosh. I know. It's like, she's still a cadet. But, like, is there a Starfleet Academy right yeah, now? Yeah, that's right. My school got from? blown like, up. No. <laughs> I automatically get an A. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely she needs to get uh, promoted. At least a field promotion. If Wesley Crusher can fly the Enterprise True. D, then, yeah. Come on. Tilly is way more, like, assertive than Wesley ever it's was. Overdue. Sorry, Wesley, but <laughs> she deserves it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for our show this week. Uh, Thanks for joining us, listeners. If you like what you hear, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTpod for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and this show, Discoverage, are released. And you can tweet to us when we're live on the show by using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTpod at gmail.com. Also, while you're on the Internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to the show. Give us a rating and a review if you think of it because that really helps us out. Stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And if you like the show, tell a friend. Well, you can join us next Sunday night, February 11th, for the last episode of the first season of Star Trek Discovery and our last episode of this run of Discoverage. We're talking about the 15th episode of Star Trek Discovery, Will You Take My Hand? And we hope that you'll take our hands and join us for the finale of this season 
of Star Trek Discovery. And I say this season because, of course, if you don't know, there will be a second season of Star Trek Discovery. They're already working on it. Do you follow um, any of the writers or uh, any of the uh, actors on Twitter? Of course. Yeah. You get to, you, know, you don't hear much, but sometimes you get little tidbits <laughs> about this and that. So I'd recommend that if you're interested in the workings of the show. Uh, thanks again, Ella, for joining me on the show. Remind people where they can find you online. Thank you. You can find me at generationsgeek.com and at generationsgeek on Twitter and Instagram. Sounds good. And you can check out uh, Generations Geek's most recent show about aliens uh, on there as well. It's a pretty good show. <laughs> so thanks again. Thank for, you. <laughs> thanks again for joining me. Thanks to the listeners. And we are signing off. This is Aaron for Ella saying live long and prosper. Bye. <laughs>